You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 2, uh, we started this, uh, uh, this chapter several weeks ago, but right before Missions Conference, we covered a few verses here in Jeremiah 2. I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 20. And we'll start there. I'll actually pick up in verse 22 is where we left off. But just for sake of uh, flow and continuity, I'd like to go back to verse 20. It says, For of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands, and thou saidst, I will not transgress, when upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot. Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, wholly a right seed, How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? Verse 22, For though thou wash thee with nitre, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. How canst thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. See thy way in the valley, and know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways a wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure in her occasion who can turn her away all that seek her will not weary themselves in her month they shall find her withhold thy foot from being unshod and thy throat from thirst but thou saidst there is no hope no for i have loved strangers and after them will i go As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, and their priests, and their prophets. Saying to a stock, thou art my father, and to a stone thou hast brought me forth, for they have turned their back unto me, and not their face. But in the time of their trouble they will say, arise and save us. But where are thy gods that thou hast made thee let them arise if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble for according to the number of thy cities are thy gods O Judah wherefore will you plead with me ye have all transgressed against me saith the Lord in vain have I smitten your children they received no correction your own sword hath devoured your prophets like a destroying lion Lord I pray that you'd help us as we continue through this chapter of Jeremiah. I pray that we would be helped and challenged. I pray that we would understand that your word, although this was written uh, almost uh, uh, 600 years before the time of Christ, uh, Lord, this uh, is written for our admonition. It's written for our profit. It's written for our help, Lord, so that we cannot make the same mistakes that these people made in Judah. I pray that you'd help us bless this service, this time of preaching. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to draw your attention to verse number 22. God's people, um, they had verse number uh, 20. The Bible says they had played the harlot. And we, we talked about this two weeks ago, but what this is referring to is this is talking about spiritual adultery. Uh, they had turned their back on God and they had gone after strange gods. And just as we would say in a marriage that if adultery takes place, that uh, one is unfaithful to the other. In this case, God's people 
were in a covenant, a marriage covenant with God, and they had been unfaithful to God. They had gone after false gods and they had played the harlot. Verse 22, God tells them, he says, Though thou wash thee with nitre and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. These terms in verse 22, nitre was a mineral, a special mineral that was used for washing. This word soap, of course, back then, I don't think they had a, um, uh, um, Irish Spring and uh, Ivory and Dove and all that, but this word soap that they had, this was their strongest detergent for washing and for removing stains and from removing blemishes. But God said to his people, he said, you can take all the nitre and all the soap you want, but I still see the stain that has been left by your sin. He said it's marked. You know how you, you get a, uh, maybe uh, in carpet, I think carpet's some of the worst. Boy, you get a stain in the carpet and you get a, a carpet cleaner or maybe you have somebody in to clean the carpet and boy, that looks really good for a while. And boy, that stain comes back, doesn't it? And you know, sometimes we try to uh, make ourselves look good and we try to do all this and we try to uh, uh, fix the outside and we try to cover this and cover that. Sometimes we can hide it from people. But I'll tell you this, we'll never hide it from God. Because the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And God says you can try all you want to cleanse and to clean and to make yourself look good. But he said your iniquity, your sin has been marked. There is a stain and I can see it. I know that sin always leaves a stain. But I am thankful, God's people did not do this, but I'm thankful for us. I'm thankful there's something that can wash away the stains that sin leaves. Aren't you glad for that? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Turn back with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Hold your place in Jeremiah 2 and go back a book to Jer uh, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18. Isaiah 1:18, the Bible says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. Now, there are some stains that are harder to get out than others, but there's something about you have a white shirt or a white jacket or maybe you have a white dress, ladies, and, and, and you get something on that, that's bad. But you get something red. You know, like some good old-fashioned spaghetti sauce, you know, or something like that. Uh, we, this was several years ago. I'll never forget. I, I didn't know this would happen, but we went to the Chinese restaurant. And Savannah, she was just having the time of her life with that sweet and sour chicken. And she had like a soup bowl with that red sauce. And I'm telling you, she was just having a heyday. Well, she got all done, and we said, Savannah, wipe off your fingers. I mean, they were, all, they were completely red. She said, I did. Like, no, you didn't wipe off your fingers. Let me show you. And I'm wiping and it ain't coming off. And we went to the restroom and we washed them with soap and water and we scrubbed them and they were not coming off. I mean, that was a stain that was not coming out. But notice what the Bible says here in verse number 18. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, boy, they might be deep and they might be red. Uh, uh, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. I'm glad that God is still in the sin 
forgiving business. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So what's the problem in Jeremiah chapter 2? Why did God say uh, your sin cannot be cleansed? Here's why. They were trying to fix it on their own. They were saying, God, we haven't sinned. We haven't done anything wrong. Oh, no, not us. And they would not admit that they had sinned. And God said, your sin, your iniquity is marked. Notice verse number 23. How canst thou say? God says, how in the world can you say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. See thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. Verse number 23 is such a powerful verse. The children of Israel were in denial. Have you ever known someone like that? It, it was as clear as the nose on their face, but they would not admit that what they had done was wrong. They were completely justified in their own mind, in their own eyes. And I think, honestly, I think some people... They lie so much that they've convinced themselves of their lie. But God's people, they said, it's not us. Oh, no, we haven't done that. No, we're good. We, we, we're, we're okay. They denied that they had worshipped the false gods. That word Balaam is the plural for Baal. Baal was a false god. He was, the name Baal literally means Lord. How ironic is that, that they, they, they took a false god, uh, the, the god of the sun, the god that uh, Jezebel promoted, the god that they offered human sacrifices to, the god that they worshipped in the high places, and they were worshipping Baal and, and different forms of Baal instead of God. You see, they were God's people. They were still worshipping God in the temple. But the problem is they were worshipping false gods too. They said, oh, no, we're worshiping God. But what they failed to realize was that you can't worship God and something else. No man can serve two masters. That's why the Ten Commandments, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not, the second commandment, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness, no idols. And then the third of those commandments is this, thou shalt not worship them. God's people had gone to worshiping these false gods and they had convinced themselves that they were okay. Now we don't, in our culture, we don't put idols on the shelves in most cases and we don't have statues and most of you don't have a, an altar in the backyard and you're going and burning incense to false gods, but... An idol is anything that takes the place of God. And I think we all would have to admit that we all have some idols in our life that every once in a while we just need to clean house. And every once in a while we need to go back and do inventory. And every once in a while we need to make sure that God is not just number one, but he's the only one. And he's the one that we worship. And God's people were worshiping Balaam. Notice what it says in verse 23. God answers them. He says, you're saying that you haven't done this. But he said, see thy way in the valley. Interesting. What God was saying was, go check. Go check and see that valley where you have been worshiping false gods. Many Bible scholars believe this refers to the valley of Hinnom. It was in that valley where Molech, 
the false god of the Ammonites was worshipped. And you say, well, how serious were they about worshipping Molech? I'll tell you how serious they were. They would offer their children as human sacrifices to Molech. I'd say that's pretty serious. I'd say that's pretty bad. I'd say they're in denial when they can't admit that they've done anything wrong. And God says, well, well, what's that valley over there where you've been going to worship Molech? What's that valley all about where you've been offering your children as sacrifices? Now, again, hang on, time out. In our culture, in our society, we would say how terrible and how awful. And I agree, it's unthinkable that someone would offer their child as a sacrifice to be killed and to be executed, to be murdered for a false god. But hang on, if we're not careful, we're guilty of offering our children as sacrifices to the gods of this world. We offer them to the gods of Hollywood. We offer them to the gods of pop culture. We offer them to the gods of, uh, of money and success. And we offer them to everything except offering them to God as a living sacrifice and say, God, I want you to take my child. I want you to use my child. God, I want my child to be yours. And I want my child to be used by you to serve you and to please you and to live for you. God says to his people, he says, you know what you've done. See thy way in the valley and know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. A dromedary is a, uh, a she-camel. And during the time of breeding, these camels were notorious for running to and fro in every direction in the heat of passion. That word traversing, it literally means interlacing or uh, a tangled maze of paths that these camels would take. It was nearly impossible to restrain these animals but here's what's so sad. The comparison was made from these animals that were wild, these animals that could not be controlled, and these animals were being compared to God's people and how they were running after their idols. It seemed like every time there was an idol to be worshipped, they were, they were making a beeline. They were getting so consumed with this idol and so consumed with this and so excited about this and so passionate about this. Hang on. Let, let's, let's, let's bring this down to where we live. Isn't it amazing how people will get so excited about stuff that's really not that important? And we're all guilty of it. Boy, we get so wrapped up with the latest this or the latest that or we see an advertisement for, oh, we got to have this or, oh, we got to have this. How about we get excited about worshiping God? How about we get passionate about serving God? How about we get our focus back on Him? God's people, they were uh, uh, compared to a wild animal that was out of control. Verse 24 goes on. It says, a wild ass that used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure. That word wild, it means to be untamed or reckless. That phrase snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure is a, 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 a wild donkey that was seeking pleasure and going after the scent of the males. It says in verse number uh, 24, um, uh, uh, and who can turn her away? You couldn't stop a wild animal in that condition. Then it says in verse number 24, all they that seek her will not weary themselves. 
in her month they shall find her. Jeremiah writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, you didn't have to look far for these creatures because you knew where and when you could find them. And God's people were compared to these wild, impassioned animals. And that's how God's people were running after idols and running after false gods and committing spiritual adultery. Notice with me verse number 25. Withhold thy foot from being unshod and thy throat from thirst, but thou saidst there is no hope. No, for I have loved strangers and after them will I go. God warns Judah. God warns his people of going after strange gods. And Judah says, oh, there's no hope. No, no, we, we, don't, we don't need that. We don't need to listen. Even though God lovingly warns and pleads, Judah still insists on going after these false gods. How sad that a, a loving God is trying to put on the brakes. A loving God is trying to say, don't go down that path. Don't ruin your life. Don't, don't bring destruction upon yourself and your children. Please don't do it. But yet these people, God's people would not listen. Verse number 26. And as the thief is ashamed when he is found. And by the way, a thief ought to be ashamed when he's caught. And a sinner ought to be ashamed when they sin. And we ought to be ashamed when our, our sin is found out. But the Bible says in verse number, uh, 20, uh, uh, verse number 26, As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They were ashamed because they were caught and they tried to hide and they tried to run. But I want to remind us, you can't hide from God. Down here, a thief may get away with it. Uh, down here, we've got video cameras and we've got surveillance and we've got all that. And there's some, some crimes you're not going to solve. There's some, some robberies you're not going to recover. But I want to tell you this, you and I will never, ever get away with our sin because the eyes of the Lord see it and know it. And God is the righteous judge. The thief is ashamed when he's caught. Judah was caught, verse 27. It says that they would say to a stock, a stock was a tree or a piece of wood, thou art my father. And to a stone, thou hast brought me forth. Can I tell you, people, uh, let me say this, let me say this in a kind way. If I can think of a kind way to say this. People lose their minds. People act like idiots when they get away from the truth of God's word. How could you look at a tree and say, there's my dad? How could you look at a rock and say, hey, mama, how you doing? But these people were worshiping the trees and they were worshiping the rocks. And notice what it says in verse number 27, they've turned their back unto me. They turned their back to God and not their face. They, they should have been seeking God. They should have been looking to God. But instead of seeking after God, they turned their back on God. They wanted nothing to do with God. But, notice verse 27, about two-thirds of the way down. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, Arise and save us. Isn't that so much like us? We want to do our own thing. We want to have our idols. 
We don't have time for God. We don't want to do it God's way. We want to uh, uh, just have, enjoy life. And God, don't bother me. And I don't want the preaching. And I don't want the teaching. And I don't want any rules. And I don't want any commandments on my life. But when we get in trouble, where do we go? We go to the one who is the only one that can help us. We go to God. Verse number 28. But where are thy gods that thou hast made? Let them arise if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble. For according to the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. They had as many gods and idols they were worshiping in Judah as they had cities. That's a lot of false gods. And God says, if those idols are so great, why don't you call on them? Uh, it reminds me of uh, Elijah on uh, Mount Carmel. Remember with those prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove? He said, all right, go ahead and build an altar. And whichever God answers by fire, he's the true God. And he let them go. Boy, they were cutting themselves and they were just having a ruckus and they were going on and on. And Elijah said, maybe you need to call out a little louder. Maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's going on a trip. Can I tell you, idolatry and false gods, they don't cut it in the hard times. They don't cut it when the rubber meets the road. It doesn't work when you're in the emergency room. It doesn't work when you're at the, the bedside of someone that's dying. They don't work at the funerals, but yet God's people, they failed to turn back to God. They worship the false gods. In times of trouble, there's only one who can save us, and that is God Almighty. Verse number 28, we read verse number 29. It says, Wherefore will ye plead with me? Ye all have transgressed against me, saith the Lord. Verse number 29, God says, why are you complaining to me? Why are you pleading with me? Why are you coming to me now? You've disobeyed me. You have transgressed against me. So why would you come to me in the time of trouble when you have broken my laws and rebelled and revolted against me? Verse number 30, in vain, God says, have I smitten your children? It didn't do any good. I tried to get your attention. I tried to correct you. You wouldn't listen. I sent warnings and judgments and you didn't care. It was a waste of time. In vain have I smitten your children. They received no correction. They wouldn't listen. Nobody could tell them anything. Your own sword hath devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. You know what's amazing? Is that the way God puts it here is the person that could have helped you, you killed him. The prophet that came to give you the message and to tell you how to get right, you didn't have time for him. You, you hated him. You wouldn't listen to him. The apostle Paul said it in the New Testament, I think it was to the church at Galatia, but he said, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Friend, I want to tell you, the truth is not always enjoyable to hear, but if you've got somebody who will tell you the truth, you ought to thank the Lord for them. Can you imagine if you went to a doctor and you found out for years the doctor never told you the truth, all he did or all she did was just tell you what you wanted to hear? You'd be irate and rightly so. Can I tell you, you need a friend who will tell you the truth. You need a pastor that will tell you the truth. You need a spouse that will tell you the truth. And I understand we need to do it in love. And I understand we need to do it uh, and be full of grace and truth. But friend, we must get back to the truth. Don't kill the person that's actually trying to help you. 
That's what they did. Verse number uh, 30, Matthew 23, the Bible says that uh, the God's people were the ones who actually built the tombs of the prophets. They're the ones that killed the prophets. They're the ones that put them in there. And then, of course, afterwards, you know, they, they talk about how wonderful they were. But they couldn't handle the truth. Verse number 31, O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore, say my people, we are lords. Uh, we will come no more unto thee. Verse number 31, they should have listened to the warning. God provided for them. They, they, they were not going without. They were not in a wilderness where they didn't have food. And they were not in a place where there was a, a drought or a famine. They were not in a place of darkness. God had blessed them. Keep in mind, this is during the reign of King Josiah and God's people were prosperous and they were blessed and they were cared for and God had been so good to them and yet they wandered from the God that had blessed them so richly. These people decided that they were their own lords. They decided that they could do whatever they wanted. They made the decision, verse number uh, 31, they said, we will come no more unto thee. They made the decision to forsake God. Verse number 32, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. These words here, ornaments and attire, these were special jewels or articles of clothing that were treasured by the brides as memorials of the wedding. Just like brides today would perhaps keep and treasure that wedding dress or uh, as we would use a, a wedding band as a memorial. God said that his people, they had forsaken him and they had cast him off and they had forsaken the memorials of those things that God had done in their lives. And verse number uh, 32, it says, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. God's people had been married to him. They were in a covenant relationship with God, but they had no care, no concern for the memorials of their love for God. They had forgotten God so long, as a matter of fact, that it was hard to remember how long it had been. Verse number 32, days without number. Verse 33, why trimmest thou? That word trim, it means to deck or to dress or to decorate. Why trimmest thou thy way to seek love? They were literally, God's people were seeking to, to, to decorate themselves and to dress themselves and to present themselves in such a way that they would appeal to the heathen nations and they would try to appeal to the false gods. They were, they were trying to get the attention of the false gods. How sad, they forsook God, but yet they went after the false gods. Verse 34, also in thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocence. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these, God says, uh, it's very obvious, the blood of innocent people that you have killed and the blood of the poor that you have killed, uh, that, that wickedness, it's very easy for everybody to see. It's very clear. It's easy to spot. Verse 35, yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee because thou sayest I have not sinned. God's people were still, in spite of all this evidence that God had against them, they still claimed, I didn't do it. It's not me. Like the child that took the cookies from the cookie jar and the crumbs are still all over the child's mouth and the mouth is still full. I didn't, I didn't do it. It wasn't me, you know. 
That's what God's people, they, their, their, their hand was caught in the cookie jar. God had all the evidence against them, and yet they still said, oh, it's not us, we're innocent. Verse number 36, why gaddest? That word gad, it means to walk about or to ramble idly without any purpose. Why gaddest thou about so much to change thy way? Thou also shalt be ashamed of Egypt as thou wast ashamed of Assyria. God's people were very quickly changing their policies and they were, uh, they were running to Assyria and they were running to Egypt and they were trying to get help and get approval from all these places and they quickly changed their minds and their uh, dealings with these foreign nations. They were, they were just changing every time, all, all the time. Verse 37, Yea, thou shalt go forth from him and thine hands upon thine head for the Lord hath rejected thy confidences and thou shalt not prosper in them. When the ambassadors from Judah would come back from Assyria and come back from Egypt, they, they, they discovered that things were not what they thought. They put their confidence in these other nations and they found out that, that, that it wasn't going to work. The Lord had rejected their alliances. The Lord had rejected their confidences and they would not prosper. Let me give you quickly a few thoughts and we'll go home. I see in verse number 22, we read it about the stain and about uh, the iniquity being marked. But verse number 22, I want to remind us all, be sure your sin will find you out. That's why it's so important to get it right with God and to confess it before God has to reveal it. Because God knows and God has a way of dealing with sin, and God has a way of exposing sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. Verse 22, God says, your iniquity is marked before me. Verse number 23, they were following and worshiping Balaam and Molech. Can I tell you verse number 23? Let's stay committed to God. Wouldn't it be great if God's people would just say, I've had enough of these idols, I've had enough of these, uh, these things, and I've had enough of this pleasure, and I've had enough of all these things that clamor for my attention. I just want to get back to loving God. I just want to get back to serving God. I just want to be faithful to God in 2019 and in 2020 and in 2030 and in 2040. I just want to stay faithful to God till he comes back for me. Let's stay committed to God. Let's stay faithful to God. Verse number 28. Times of trouble reveal what you really believe. You see how they had all these false gods, but God says, well, if those are your gods, why don't you go talk to them if you're having a hard time? Times of trouble reveal what you really believe. It's unfortunate, but sometimes people say, I believe in the Lord and I love the Lord. And that's true as long as everybody's healthy. That's true as long as there's money in the bank account. That's true as long as everything's uh, uh, smooth sailing. But friend, I want to tell you, times of trouble reveal what you really believe. Number 11 is found in verse number 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Can I remind us tonight, don't ever forget the wedding. Now men... An application to this would be don't ever forget your anniversary. That'd be some good advice. Don't ever forget your anniversary. And don't wait to see if it's in the bulletin the week of your anniversary. You know, you might get caught off guard there. But on a spiritual note, and here's what this is saying. Don't ever forget the day you got saved. 
Don't ever forget the day that God saved you. Don't ever forget the relationship that you have with God. Boy, fall in love with him every day. Every day you ought to say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being so good to me. I didn't deserve it. And, and by the way, some of you ladies might be thinking, yeah, the husband didn't deserve it either when I married him. But fellas, aren't you glad that love is blind? Yeah. Hallelujah. A lot of us got married because of that one fact right there. But can I tell you, don't ever forget the wedding. Don't forget the day that God saved you. And then lastly, it's found in verse number 37. God says that they had put their confidences in other people. And he said, thou shalt not prosper in them. Did you know that you and I will never succeed apart from God? It's, it won't happen. There is no success. There is no prosperity. There is no, uh, uh, there is no guarantee of a good outcome apart from God. But I want to tell you, there is success in God's word. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I'm thankful that God has promised us success, not apart from him, not apart from his word, but when we walk with him, aren't you glad that we can succeed? Aren't you glad that there is prosperity? I'm not talking about dollars and cents, and I'm not talking about a bank account, but I'm talking about peace and joy and happiness and contentment and satisfaction, the things that money cannot buy, the things that are far more valuable than dollars and cents. I'm talking about true success in God's eyes does not come apart from God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.